we just uh, all, I think, probably would be in agreement that uh, we want to thank the Lord that here we are at the end of 2018, the last Sunday of the year, and, and we stand here in the Lord's strength. We are gathered in His name because we love Him, and He means everything to us. And how wonderful is that, to be where you know God wants you to be. And so we stand in the Lord's strength. We stand as faithful as we can each day as we just keep our eyes on Jesus. Today really is a, a unique day uh, in the year as we are calling this a Vision Casting Sunday. And I'm going to give you the essence of what January is going to look like for us as a church family. What I'm holding in my hands that I'm going to set back down, and I definitely would like you after service to come and pick one up. There's enough for everyone. Is a prayer and fasting guide. Because the eldership a few months ago after much prayer wants to make this time a call to the church family a call to fasting and prayer. And so throughout this service, I want to set sort of the objective behind it. I want to give some qualifiers to it so that you can know how best you can be a part of the month of January as we fast, as we pray, and try to come before the Lord in a way that will bless our lives as individuals and our lives as a church. Now, the essence is the fact that as you look at Old and New Testament, uh, the people of God fasted and they prayed. And there were different reasons. But what we are doing as an eldership that is pointing and calling you to be a part of alongside us is one of the most important things that Jesus came to this earth to do. And that was to seek and save the lost. That's what Luke the physician says in Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus' last words on this earth as He ascended into heaven before His disciples was to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, and then His promise, and surely I am with you to the very end of the age. So, is fasting for the New Testament Christian or believer Biblical. That's what I want to lay before you. This is Jesus in Luke 5 talking to his disciples. And just follow along because Jesus is being questioned by the Pharisees. They said to him, John's disciples, they fast and pray often. And so do the disciples of the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, 
Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. Now, something that we're going to see through this time together of worship is Jesus never commanded fasting. But in His wording, it was assumed that His disciples would do it. And it is in that sense that fasting is a voluntary thing that we choose to do knowing that Jesus assumed His disciples would do that after He was gone. While Jesus was here on this earth, they did not fast. But when He ascended into heaven, He assumed and thought, and they did fast and pray. When was the last time you heard a sermon on fasting and prayer. If you're like me, uh, you might even have avoided it to some degree because you think while it's voluntary, it's like really low on the list of things that are important. But a passage of Scripture like this makes us, I think, spiritually aware that there is something that Jesus thought fasting would bring into the lives of His disciples and the lives of His church, the people that have washed in His blood. So, with that said, I want to share this passage of Scripture along with Luke 19.10. And just, I want to get you thinking about some things. In John chapter 4, it's the story of this woman at the well. Jesus is at the well. The disciples have gone into Sychar. They're in Samaria. It's not a good place for a good Jew to be. So they thought a woman comes to the well to draw water. Jesus speaks with her, enlightens her. She goes back into Sychar. The disciples return from trying to buy food. They wonder, what is this woman doing? Was he talking with her? Because they say, Lord, Master, eat something. Jesus says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And their thoughts, well, this woman, she must have gave him something. And then as the conversation and the story develops, this woman in Sychar is telling everyone what Jesus has spoke to her and everyone is excited and they come to this well to see Jesus for themselves. And this is where Jesus says to His disciples, as the people are coming, look, I tell you, lift up your eyes. The fields are white to harvest. Now, it's with this in mind, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. It's with the idea that Jesus is trying to get the attention of His disciples to look up and see a spiritual reality of people coming and realizing that that is a 
filled of souls that are ready and prepared by God to receive Him and that they have a part in that. So, we want to call this church to fast and pray for one primary purpose. And that is for the Lord to change our hearts, to make our hearts more sensitive to lost people, but to show us the way. To show us as individuals the way in this world that we live in today that is so dark, so politicized, Lord, we are going to fast and pray for 31 days as individuals and ask you to truly show me, us, you, the way that we can be effective and used by you to help others come into the presence of Jesus Christ. Now, no one, for the most part, would turn anyone away from the Lord. And we might hope that people would find Jesus. But Jesus asked for His church, His disciples, then and for all time, to go and to do and to speak, and to share, and to encounter. So strong was Jesus in the idea that His disciples would seek and save the lost like He did, that He would tell them to go into the streets, the highways, the byways, to share faith. And I hope that as a church family, collectively, as we individually pursue the Lord to show us the way, that the first thing He does is changes our hearts to have a desire to see more and more people come to the Lord. And I hope and I pray that He does that for you as I want Him to do that more and more for me. And it all begins by going to Him and saying, Lord, I'm going to do some things and I'm going to give up some things. You see, fasting is just one, just one of many expressions of devotion to God. There's nothing magical about fasting. It doesn't force God to do something. But it's one expression, one form, one discipline that says, Lord, I am devoted to You. 
I'm willing to do something, to give up something, to focus on you and you alone. Some commentators, and we'll look here in just a little bit, when Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights as he was being tempted, said during that fasting time, as Jesus was being tempted by Satan, he was at his weakest point, you know, because he didn't have food. I don't know about you, but we even use the term, I'm hangry, right? If I've not eaten, I'm mad. If I'm not eating, I'm edgy. I've got to have my food. But I think those commentaries are wrong personally. I think when Jesus fasted and prayed because His focus was so completely on the Lord during that period, He was at His strongest point. And the reality is, we do need the quiet time disciplined into our lives to be able to draw nearer to the Lord, to to block out all the noise, just to be with the Lord. And that's what fasting and prayer will allow. It will also, I think, collectively and individually say to the Lord, look, Lord, you have blessed this church now, starting a new year, for 55 years. You've been with us. You brought us through. But Lord, we want to see more people come to faith in Jesus Christ. I want to witness it. There's nothing more beautiful than seeing someone confessing the name of Jesus. There's no thing more beautiful than seeing someone turn and give their life to the Lord to fall on their knees willingly and confess Jesus Christ. It's a great thing. We see the joy when people are baptized to have their sin washed away and they come up out of that water in newness of life and we cheer and we celebrate. Yet in heaven, we find in the book of Luke also that there is more rejoicing in heaven and it's in the presence of the angels that the rejoicing is taking place because God is celebrating. I think back 50, 60 years ago, like any church movement worldwide can probably get off course a little bit. We can be doing things, but not necessarily have the right motive in doing things. Most of the time, churches do want to see God's kingdom grow. But sometimes it's out of a legalistic reason. It's out of duty. It's out of obligation. That's not what the kingdom of God is about. It is about just freely living a surrendered life before the Lord. And as God's divine spiritual appointments of people coming into your life at different times and different ways, whether you touch them with the Word of God for a moment or you encourage them for a day or you share something that transforms them for a lifetime, that you were just humbled and surrendered and convicted to be used by God. And so, lift up your eyes, to me, is also just that metaphor of 
you got to start caring. You have to understand what I'm about. You didn't even want to come through here because we were going to be with Samaritans. And you thought it was going to make you impure. And you're wondering why talk to a woman because that's not acceptable in your culture. I'm telling you, as disciples, as my followers, I'm going to use you to change the world for my kingdom. It'll be through my strength and my power and for my glory. You're my servants, but I'm going to use you. Do you want to be used by God in that way? You might not say no, but does it excite you? Does it fill you? Does it give you that desire of, I'm going to live out my faith. I'm not going to shrink back. I'm not going to cram it in anybody's face, but I'm going to live my life because I believe that because He lives, I live. Because He lives, you can live. And the people that go on before you that you love, you don't have to grieve like the rest of the world grieves. You grieve because in flesh they're gone. They're not with you, but you know they're with the Lord. It's a sad thing. It's a sad, horrible thing for someone to die not knowing the Lord. Because they're lost. They're doomed. Their fate is sealed. They are cast into outer darkness. Into Gehenna. Forever and ever and ever. And if there's someone around you that experiences that in their future, when just maybe a word from you because you were convicted could change that, wouldn't it be worth it? So although the fasting and the prayer time is for the month of January, 31 days, what we're really doing after that is stepping back and going to watch what God's going to do for this church family in 2019. It isn't so that we become a bigger church. That's not the point. Now, I hear some people say often in different church settings, I don't want to be in a big church. I like a small... Well, I'm sorry that uh, you feel that way. I understand that you like that. But do we realize what we are saying when we say we want our little church? And I'm not saying that's what we are saying, but when people say we want our little church just to stay little and intimate and we want to know everybody, we like it because it's family like that. What you're saying is that you really don't have a heart to see lost people come to the Lord. Could you imagine the disciples, those in the upper room, like on the day of Pentecost, like, Lord, you got to change this. I mean, there's look at all these people. Now we're up to five or six thousand. We've, we've got to change our mindset. And I can't do that. A sermon can't do it. A Christian book can't do it. 
only the Spirit of God that lives in you. The Spirit of God that lives in you, if not suppressed, if not grieved, wants that very thing. So with that said, follow along briefly. This here, Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26, in the prayer and fasting guide, is something that we're going to be asking you. You'll see it in the guide. These verses. Every morning when you wake up, start reflection with this passage of Scripture. Asking a couple of simple questions. Lord, what are you teaching me here? Lord, Show me the way to be like the disciples that I'm reading about. One day Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat. Some translations say bed because he was there all the time. Through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. What a powerful few verses to simply say that it is a wonderful thing to have a friend or friends that care about your health, care about how you're doing. And it's even a more wonderful thing when those friends, instead of just wishing or hoping, take action and do something to get you to a place to be healed. He is there because he's a paralytic to be healed. I find it so insightful that as they peel back the tiled roof and lower this paralytic down right in front of Jesus, what a fantastic picture. I mean, just can you imagine Jesus seeing that? Like, he sees their faith. They are looking to him. We live in a world that offers all kinds of answers for everything in life, but not Many offer Jesus except the church. Jesus is the answer. They know that. And their faith in Him and His power is blessed. But I find it insightful. He comes for a healing. And what Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. Did you catch that? Coming for a physical healing... And Jesus focuses first on the spiritual circumstance of the man. Your sins are forgiven. That is the first, the most important, the highest priority in the life of anybody to be found willingly in the presence of the Lord and to have their sin 
forgiven. Why we celebrate, applaud, and clap at a baptism because we see what is coming together as it is culminating in obedience and repentance and a contrite heart and baptism because that person is being obedient to the gospel. We celebrate that. This man's sins were forgiven by Jesus and that spiritual part came first. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, here they are. They begin thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and said, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? This seems like it is the nature of the religious establishment in those days to protect their power, their authority, and try to protect God and being blasphemed. Jesus says, your hearts are wrong, which is easier to say. Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. Now, we know it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because you got to prove you have the power to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I was a sinner saved by the grace of God. I repented. I turned away from living my life without the Lord. And if you are here today and you've not confessed Jesus with a sincere and contrite heart to be the Lord of your life, to be your master, savior, to be baptized, to plunge under the water, to be lifted out, as Paul would say, is an example of the death going into the grave and resurrection coming out, a new person. Because God, wherever He works in life, makes old things new. He changes and gives a new heart. And if that's not happened, you're still in your sin. And if you're still in your sin, you're lost. And I don't want that. This church don't want that. But more importantly, God don't want that. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Spiritual healing and physical healing. Right here in this verse. And it is clear that spiritual healing came first in the Lord's life. God wants to heal people too. In fact, often fasting in the Old Testament was focused when there was a sickness or an illness or a time of grief or there was a turning back to God and a time of repentance. But, but even the healing that God alone can do is abused by people in this world for their gain. So you have to be careful. So anyway, the story continues. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, 
took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. We should want to see people healed spiritually, at least, so we can watch them praise the Lord and so that they can praise the Lord with us. Part of our Sunday morning worship, the gathering of God's people is for the purpose of praising God, but it's to us praising Him for the spiritual healing that He's brought into our lives. When Mike Boomas, through his communion talk, almost cries because of his emotion of what the cross means to him, that's what praising God for spiritual healing in our life means to us. And because we know how wonderful it is, because we have found the pearl of great price and sold everything that we have so that we can own that pearl, we want others to have it too. Everyone in the crowd was amazed and gave praise to God. Now everybody's praising. They were filled with awe, couldn't believe what had happened, the might of God, His strength, what He had done, and said, we've seen remarkable things today. I believe there's remarkable things that God wants us to see. I want to see remarkable things. And to me, there's nothing more remarkable than the lost being found. It's so remarkable that in the picture story of Luke 15 of the prodigal son, the father runs and leaps off the porch to grab hold of his son that's returning home. It's a celebration. So, here's the layout that you're going to find. There's more detail in these books, but this is just a general and I've formed the weeks, uh, not Sunday through Saturday. I've, I've adjusted them so that 31 days you can be a part of this. Week one is simply preparation. Preparing your mind and preparing your heart and asking God really is what I thought of. Like, Lord, give me a desire to want to fast. You know, that's not just an easy thing. Most of us just, it's not like, yeah, I'm going to give up something that I really enjoy. But Lord, January 1st, it's, it's New Year's Day. Celebrate. Eat, drink, make merry. Be with family. Be festive, but be preparing your spirit, your mind, your body, your soul, your strength. Like, Lord, what things will I give up? Will I even participate? What will be my attitude if I choose voluntarily, I stress, to participate? But that's January 1st through the 5th. January 6th, that's the first Sunday of the month. Each Sunday of the month, we're eating and drinking and celebrating and thanking God for all the goodness that He's done. But Monday through Saturday... We're striving to give things up. So week two, January 7th through the 12th, we're going to think about what in terms of meals can I give up? Some people will find that they're going to do a complete fast, which is basically a three-day fast 
with water only. But then there's others that might take the second option, a Daniel fast, which is fluids and vegetables and nuts. Or the third option in the book is just like partial fast. I might choose to fast from ketchup for, I don't want to say a year, a month. A year might be extreme. But it's got a like sting. What? So we want everybody. We want your children to be a part of this. There's some like your children. They might say, "Oh, I'll give up broccoli or spinach." So week two is just like, in terms of food, what will I give up? Full fast, partial fast, Daniel fast. But your mind's prepared. And you know why you're doing it. And you're drawing close to God in the process. Probably the more pain and anxiety and stress, like could you imagine if you're a coffee drinker giving up coffee for a week? You'd be breaking out in sweats and I'd be doing marital counseling all week long. And So week two is meals. January 13th, feast and celebrate. Week three rolls along. It's the mouth. And it's not just like I'm not going to say bad things. It, it is that. But it's also God. As I fast from not saying bad things, like my language, the tone, Lord, transform my mouth to speak good things, things that encourage, things that build others up, things that express who you are in my life, words that people hear, Lord, that are meant to honor you. doesn't matter how they respond. Lord, just give me the right spirit to speak things that are good and right and to turn away from those things where I'm snappy, where I'm mean, where I'm hateful, whatever that may be. I'm going to fast from that. And whenever I fail you, Lord, prick my heart. Because I want to change, Lord. It'll change me because I'm looking to you. Then week four, media. It's just like, are you going to fast from Facebook? Are you going to fast from email? Are you going to not go to movie? Are you going to turn or unplug the TV? When it comes to media, now I know there's, in today's society, we've got our phones with us, and it's all work, and there's a lot of response that you have to put information out. I get that. But when it comes to just pleasure and enjoyability, can you say no? Can you say no? 
And whenever you go to reach for the phone, you know how you, you reach, you're always reaching for the phone. Well, maybe somebody might have liked something that I said. I wonder how many likes I got. You just pull back. Now, see, you can take all of these and extend them for the whole month except for Sundays. Or you can do them Sundays if you want. But that's sort of the way we've got it laid out. When we come to January 27th, the last Sunday of the month, it's more feasting, celebrating, and just giving thanks for God. The things that you've been praying about, what you've been asking, has the Lord shown you uh, what you've been asking to show you in terms of your heart and relationship to other people? Uh, and then we'll finish the last three days, which is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, with simply like reflection, reflection. And then we're just going to sit back and we... May, you may voluntarily, after this process, go, I'm going to do that throughout the year at different times without an eldership call to fasting and prayer. Because God has done so much. I see the value in this. And so that's what you'll see in this guide as you pick them up after service right here on the stage. But Luke 5, 17 through 26, that's your sunset quiet time, or sunrise quiet time. And Psalm 32 is your sunset quiet time. Because Psalm 32 is one of the most beautiful psalms about confession and repentance and being away from the Lord and drawing near to the Lord and seeing what God, through prayer, confession, repentance, and a lowly, humble spirit, to see what God can do. So you put together these two verses of show me the way, Lord. I, I'm not going to climb up on someone's roof probably and tear through it and lower them down through the church building, but how can I get someone into your presence? How do I do it? Because it's not easy. And in this world, it, it's, you know, it's just not easy. It, it can be difficult to share your faith. Lord, I need you to show me how. And these are the two texts, January 1st through the 31st. We just ask you to, to lay down in, to, to bathe in, to just let shower over you as you seek God in them for your life. Our purpose, greater passion for the lost, Show us the way, Lord. How do we do it as individuals? Because as it comes together as a collective church, we will see extraordinary things that God will do. We ask Him for humble boldness and confidence. The, the courage to be able to step out of a comfort zone to share faith and wait and watch expectantly. Our objective, the eldership desires this month of fasting, and prayer to be deeply personal and intimate time that you spend sitting at Jesus' feet. Not to be up like Martha doing this and doing that, but like Mary, sitting at Jesus' feet, listening and learning to what He wants to make known to you. We also believe this will offer parents a wonderful opportunity of teaching moments for their children. Raise up a child in the way that they should go, and when they get old, they won't depart from it. Teach your child to fast. Teach your child to pray and let it be a part of an overall church effort as we set ourselves apart for it. Also, we encourage you to keep a daily journal for the month of January recording your prayers, 
God-given insights, answered prayers, just, just for yourself, what God is doing, what you are asking, what you are seeing, what you are learning, and I think you'll probably be very amazed. But as I conclude, there's four important qualifiers regarding fasting. I'm going to go through these four real quick, and then we're going to pray uh, and be done. Number one and two. Seriousness, sincerity, and humility is key when we pray and fast for the Lord. Number two, fasting is one of many expressions of spiritual devotion to God. I talked about that earlier, but I want to stress that. It's just one of many. Bible study is a discipline. Reflection is a discipline. Kindness is a spiritual discipline, but we for this time are using this as an expression as a church family to go before God and show our devotion. Number three, fasting often involves spiritual struggle and revelation from God. Moses the lawgiver fasted 40 days and 40 nights twice. Each time he was receiving the commandments on stone that God was giving him on Mount Sinai. Just remember he went down, got mad because he saw what the crowd was doing and threw him. He had to go back up and do it all again, that kind of thing. So we're not, we're not asking for an 80-day fast. But I just want you to see Moses, the lawgiver, fasted. And as he fasted, God gave him his word, revelation. When you look at Elijah, the great, if not the greatest prophet by most people's standard, he went up against Jezebel's prophets in 1 Kings 19, killed 400 of them. Jezebel was such a, a ferocious woman that she said, if, not, if by tomorrow you're not dead, then I'm not the woman I think I am. And Elijah responded by packing up his bag and running for his life. Ran so far, got so tired, finally laid down and rested, was near the point of death, and God sent angels, specifically an angel, to feed and give him water. And then he got up and went on a 40-day journey. And it was the food that God gave him before the journey started of 40 days and 40 nights that sustained him until he finally came to a cave. And while I was in that cave, God told him to come out and he covered his face and God passed by and there was the whisper of revelation. Elijah, what are you doing here? Go back. And then there's the life of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Talk about a spiritual struggle. Satan was after him, tempted him again and again and again, would leave and then come back at an opportune time, just like He does us. And each time, Jesus revealed to us what God had revealed to Him, using God's Word against Satan and His temptations. Fasting and prayer is setting ourselves apart to humbly come before the Lord and say, Lord, You have all might, glory, strength, and supremacy. I'm nothing. 
but show us the way. Show us the way to reach the lost and let us see these extraordinary and remarkable things. Change our heart in greater ways to care about people that don't know you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just pray that uh, you will bless this message. And I pray, Father, that as we get ready to sing a, a beautiful song about how you make everything new, that uh, we will remember how you made us new. And that, Lord, you would truly, in our weakness, bless our feeble attempt to come before you in prayer and fasting in the new year. That you will convict everyone here that right now they're thinking of the things that they're going to give up. Lord, we praise your name and just ask you to bless this church family to be able to see remarkable things. And by the end of this year, Lord, and in future years way ahead, to remember this day that we call on your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me?